Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. It is a great blessing that we may be here again to join together in worship of our triune God. A hearty welcome to all who are present here and to all those who have joined us via the live stream this afternoon. May the preaching of the gospel message direct our hearts and minds in faith and trust to our Saviour, Jesus Christ, and cause us to live our lives to the praise of him. Consistory has the following announcements. Consistory will meet tomorrow evening at 8pm as elders only. And following on from this morning's election for office bearers, Consistory has appointed the following brothers to the office of elder. Andrew Bolhos, Tim Everts, Francois Orsthosen and Jack Van Dongen. And to the office of deacon, Bruce Husinger and Martin Pott. If no lawful objections are brought forward by the 6th of November, the ordination will take place on Sunday, the 19th of November, the Lord willing. And this afternoon, the worship service will be led by Reverend Dan Boer from our sister church in Darling Downs. Before we commence the worship service, let us sing together hymn 59, verse 2. Good afternoon, brothers and sisters. Please rise for worship. We're gathered here in the confession that our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. Lift up your hearts to God and receive his greeting. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. Amen. Let's now sing together, and we will sing a song of praise to the Lord, Psalm 111. Everything that God does is great. Let's sing Psalm 111, verse 1, 2, and 5.
We're gathered here in the unity of faith, and it's a faith which we share with the church from all time and throughout all this world. So let's now declare that faith by confessing it with the words of the Apostles' Creed as they've been put to music in Him too. Let's draw near to God in prayer. God of all glory, to you be all praise, for all things are from you. You exist from eternity past. O God, you are completely fulfilled in yourself. You are love in your triune nature. All of life comes from you. You are the source, the fountain of everything. 
All things are from you and all things are through you. Your creation exists through you. This world exists as you have spoken it into existence. And we exist through you. Every breath we breathe is through your sustaining grace. Every moment we depend upon you. And the history of this world is through you. The history in which you have sent your glorious Son, who is your exact imprint, to enter time and space to redeem us and to restore us to you. O Lord, you have raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand to rule over us with your word and spirit. And we praise you for his rule, for his church-gathering work throughout the centuries. We confess, O God of glory, that all things are through you, and all things are to you, for your glory and for your praise. We exist for you. You have made us for your glory, and you have redeemed us through Christ for your glory. And you're restoring us through your Holy Spirit, so that we are conformed to the glorious image of your Son, all for you. Everything is from you, and through you, and to you. And so, Father, may you receive the glory from now and forever. And we pray this afternoon that we will join the church of all ages and the heavenly armies of angels. As we lift our hearts to you on high... We pray that you would pour your spirit upon us to renew our hearts and minds, that we would hear the voice of our good shepherd, our perfect mediator and intercessor, that we will redirect our gaze so that we see your goodness and your grace. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this afternoon we'll be considering what God teaches us in his word about the Lord's Supper as it's been summarized and as we confess it in Lord's Day 28. And I'd like to read with you from two passages in the Bible as we prepare for that. I'd like to read, first of all, from Acts chapter 2. And there's a key, there's a key word which comes up in both of these passages, which is also used in the Lord's Supper. It's the same word in the Greek language, but it's translated with a different word into English. So see if you can notice what that word is as we read from both of these passages together. First of all, we'll read Acts chapter 2, and we'll read verse 40 to 47. This is Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 40, And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common." And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Let's now turn ahead to 1 John chapter 1 and we'll read the entire chapter together. First John chapter 1. 
that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. This is the word of the Lord. Well, the word I wanted you to notice is the word fellowship or communion. And we've read that we have fellowship with God and with each other. Let's now also sing about that fellowship from Psalm 52. God teaches us in this psalm that we flourish within his house and that we among the saints proclaim the goodness of his name. Let's sing Psalm 52, verse 5 and 6. Here in this Reformed Church, it's the custom to have a teaching service in the afternoons, and we normally go through the Heidelberg Catechism, which is a summary of God's Word, and we do that so that by continual reminder of the truths of God's Word, we're also stimulated to continue living by faith in Him. 
This afternoon, our catechism lesson is based on Lord's Day 28 in the catechism. Let's read that together. Lord's Day 28, this is the church's confession. How does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. With this command, he gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to eternal life with his crucified body and shed blood. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his shed blood? First, to accept with a believing heart all the suffering and the death of Christ, and so receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Second, to be united more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit, through the ho- who lives both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, Yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones, and we forever live and are governed by one spirit, as the members of our body are by one soul. Where has Christ promised that he will nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood, as surely as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This promise is repeated by Paul, where he says, The cup of blessing that we bless... Is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Dear brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, the early church faced a lot of opposition from the pagan, non-believing world around them. And one of the things Christians were charged with was cannibalism. They ate the body and blood of the Lord Jesus. And so non-believers called them cannibals. Now this charge, of course, comes from a misunderstanding of the Lord's Supper. They were not physically eating the body and blood of the Lord. They were not cannibals. But one thing this accusation does show is that the Lord's Supper was an important part of the life of the early church. It was even recognized by the pagan world around them, although they didn't understand it. 
the pagans knew that the Lord's Supper was important to Christians. So why was this meal so important to them? It was because it showed their identity as people of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was as his people that they remembered and proclaimed his death. The meal of the Lord's Supper was closely connected to their identity. And then we'll see that this afternoon that this is also true for us today. It's true for the church everywhere in the New Covenant that we celebrate the Lord's Supper as a meal which is closely connected to our identity, to who we are. First, we are a people who share in Christ. And we declare that by eating and drinking at His table. And second, we are a people who share together. We share Christ together. As members of Him, we are also members of His church. And we declare that by sharing a meal together. That's what I'd like to focus on with you this afternoon. The Lord's Supper is a meal of my identity. We'll see two points. I share in Christ and I share in Christ's church. So first we'll see how the Lord's Supper shows that we share in Christ. Now sometimes the Lord's Supper is called communion. And this is the word that we hear when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. The bread is the communion of the body of Christ. The cup is the blood is the communion or the cup is the communion of the blood of Christ. Or as it's translated in the Catechism, quoted from 1 Corinthians 10, the participation of Christ. It's based on the same word in the Greek language. What does this word mean? Well, communication, communion or fellowship or participation, it has this basic idea of sharing. And we'll come back to this word in the second part of this sermon. But for now, I want to note how we share in Christ. We are connected with him. The Bible has different images to talk about this. One example is the vine and the branches. As a branch is connected to the vine, so we are connected to Christ. We have communion with him. And that's because God has called us into the fellowship of his son. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 9, we belong to Jesus Christ. And that's something which is already declared with the sacrament of baptism. Baptism is a sign of our being incorporated into Christ. When we're baptized into the name of the Son, the Son promises that He unites us with Him in His death and resurrection. And the Spirit works this union. Baptism is already a picture of our union with Christ. And we'll see this afternoon in Lord's Day 28 that this union is also symbolized in the Lord's Supper. And it's a union that each believer personally has with Christ. I wonder if you noted as as we read the first question and answer, in that first promise, just how many times the first person pronoun is used. That first promise, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. That's Six times in that one sentence. In other words, the Lord's Supper is a meal that shows that I personally belong to Christ. And why can we say this? Because He has died for me. The Lord's Supper gives you personal confirmation. As surely as you personally eat that bread, so surely did Christ die 
for you. And that's something that we're given assurance of. That's something that we also declare. When we celebrate the meal, I am the chief of sinners. I am the one who deserved the punishment that Christ bore. But he has shown his mercy to me. It was my sin that held him there. His blood, my ransom, has paid. And this is the the basis for our union with Christ. That our sin, our rebellion, that's the great barrier to experiencing communion and life with Christ, our Savior. But he has removed our sin. All of our sin is taken away so that we can again have fellowship with God. We can dwell with him and, and share in him personally in his fellowship. God has called us into the fellowship of his son. Well, the first promise is a, a reminder and a confirmation of the past historical event that Christ has certainly died for me. And the second promise in question and answer 75 is the present nourishment that Christ gives in the Lord's Supper. Our union with Christ that has a past basis, that's his death on the cross, an actual historical event, which we remember. And second, there is a present reality. And that present reality involves nourishment and and refreshment. I wonder if some of you did some hot work on the hot day yesterday and and perhaps you took a a glass of water and, and you were nourished and you were refreshed by that. Or perhaps at the end of a long day of work, you you eat a meal and you're refreshed, you're nourished from that meal. In the same way, Christ nourishes and refreshes our faith through his supper. This is a, a present reality which the Spirit works in us as we remember what Christ has done in the past for us. As we eat and drink in faith, our faith in Christ is nourished. And so we see that our sharing in Christ has a past basis, a present reality. And question and answer 76 elaborates on this by asking, what does it really mean that we eat and drink Christ's body and blood? You see, Christ uses very strong metaphorical language. This is my body. That's why the early church was accused of cannibalism. They're eating human flesh. But we understand that Christ uses such strong metaphorical language to show the strength of our union with him. That this union is so close that Christ says, this is my body. And it's achieved, as the first, first part of this question and answer says, it is achieved through the suffering and the death of Christ. This union is achieved once for all. And that's the the first part here, justification, that we are made right with God. We belong to Jesus Christ with our body and soul in life and in death. We are truly one with Christ. We are justified. That's the first part of question answer 76. When we believe in Christ, we truly receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. And second, our union with Christ grows through sanctification. When the Holy Spirit works in our hearts to transform us. Second, to be united more and more to his sacred body. So through justification, we are one with Christ. Through sanctification, our union with Christ grows. 
Perhaps I could use marriage as an illustration to help understand this. When a couple are married, they become one. And yet, in a healthy marriage, when they live together and they grow together over time, they become one-er. Now, you can look that word up in the dictionary. You probably won't find it. Um, it came from my seminary professor. And that's a similar thing that happens in our union with Christ. Through justification, we are one with him. And yet, as the Spirit works in our hearts, we grow in this union. We become one-er. And so you see, brothers and sisters, how the Lord's Supper, it declares this union to us. We belong to Christ in body and in soul. And that truly is our comfort in life and in death. Now, this sharing in Christ, it's something which is, is confirmed to us. And it's also something that we actively declare by participating in the Lord's Supper. Now, this is one of the differences between baptism and the Lord's Supper. It's also why infants don't celebrate the Lord's Supper, but it's a meal not for believers and their children, but it's a meal only for believers. That's because in baptism, we receive the sign and the seal. It's a confirmation of what God does, a confirmation of God's promise. But in baptism, we don't do anything. We receive the washing. We don't take any active part in it ourselves. But in Lord's Supper, we also actively participate. We don't only have something done to us, passing a plate or passing a cup, but we also actively participate by taking that bread and eating it, by taking that wine and drinking it. Celebrating the Lord's Supper is an active thing that we do as believers. And it's an act of faith. You see, as the Lord calls us, when, the Lord, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Lord calls us to actively remember and proclaim. And these are actions that we do as we eat and drink, something that we must do in faith. First of all, we remember. Do this in remembrance of me, says our Lord. Now, remembering is a word that's often used in the Old Testament. For example, in the book of Deuteronomy, the Lord told his people that they were to remember that they were a slave in the land of Egypt, but the Lord had delivered them from Egypt. That was an important part of the remembering the Sabbath day. And you notice here how their, their remembering is also tied to their identity. They are to remember that they are a people devoted to the Lord. He had redeemed them for himself. They were to actively call this to mind every time they celebrated the Sabbath day. They were to also then to live accordingly. God's people are a remembering people, a people who remember what the Lord has done for them, a people who remember their identity, a people who remember that they belong to the Lord. Well, the Lord's Supper has been instituted by our Lord to help us remember who we are, that we are a people saved by the Lord Jesus Christ through his death on the cross for our sin and a people who thus have fellowship with God. Question answer 76 says at the beginning, first that I accept with a believing heart. That's an active remembering 
That's recalling our identity as people who share in Christ, who belong to him. God's people are a remembering people. And that's what we do as we celebrate the Lord's Supper in faith. We remember. And second, we also proclaim. Paul says we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. It's striking that this same word is used in the New Testament for preaching. For example, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2 that he didn't come proclaiming the word of God with lofty speech. And now he uses this same word in 1 Corinthians 11 that all those who partake of the Lord's Supper are proclaiming. As you celebrate the Lord's Supper, you are making a statement. You are making a profession of faith as you partake. You proclaim. Again, note the active participation that the Lord calls us to. That you receive the bread and you eat it. You receive the wine and you drink it. And these actions are proclamation. I believe that I share in Christ. I believe that I belong to him because he has died for me. That's the proclamation we make as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We proclaim the Lord's death. We proclaim that we belong to Jesus Christ. And so you see, brothers and sisters, how the Lord's Supper, it shows our union with Christ, that we share in him and we belong to him. We remember what he has done to buy us for himself. And we proclaim that we are his through his precious blood. We share in his fellowship. And that leads us to consider how this meal also shows that we share in Christ's church. We share in each other. We started the first point by talking about communion. When you hear this word, you might also think of the communion of saints. And that's a a logical flow-on from our union with Christ, that we also have union with each other. Because we're connected with Christ, the head, we're also connected with his body. That logic is found in Lord's Day 21 when it explains and talks about the communion of saints. And it begins by talking about how believers, all and everyone, as members of Christ have communion with him and share in all his treasures and gifts. And then it speaks about how we use these gifts for each other. Now the word, the original word in the Greek language for communion or fellowship, is a little hard to, to translate exactly into English. And to further understand this word, we can think of the, the Dutch word gezellig. I'm sure perhaps some of you know this word. You might use this word when you have a, a nice dinner with family or friends. Perhaps you even get out the candles and and dim the lights. You tell some good stories and you say, ah, that was gezellig. Or as the South Africans would say, that was some good hate. It's a word that implies togetherness or coziness. And that helps us to capture the idea behind this word, which describes the dynamic of the body of Christ, his people. This word is used in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. We read that together. It was something the early church devoted themselves to. They devoted themselves to four things. The apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. It was one, something that the early church devoted themselves to was this fellowship, this sharing together as a church. 
We can see that worked out in practice in Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says that the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Not, neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. That was the unity they lived out as God's people. They used their gifts readily and cheerfully for the benefit and well-being of the other members. Well, brothers and sisters, this is a unity that we celebrate and that we declare at the Lord's Supper table. At the Lord's Supper, we, we not only remember that Christ has died for me, we remember that Christ has died for a people. He has died for his bride, his church, of which I am a member. We are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. We all share his spirit together. And this sharing is based on the work of Christ to cleanse all of us from sin. Not just my sins, but also the sins of those I eat with. Also the sins of the person who passes me the plate or the cup. Also the sins of the person who is sitting opposite the table from me. Also the sins of those who have sinned against me. And that's why we eat together. That the Lord's Supper is, is a meal that we share, that we even sit at a table together. And so when you come to the Lord's Supper table, it's good to look around at your brothers and sisters, perhaps even smile at them. Because together we are one. We share fellowship with each other. Well, that unity, brothers and sisters, that chaselechet, is something which we celebrate at the Lord's Supper table, and it flows out into all aspects of life in the church. John writes in 1 John 1, we, we read from that together, about Christ who has come into this world in order for us to have fellowship with the Father and the Son and also to share this fellowship together. Fellowship with God, it means that we walk in the light, which means that we follow His ways. And it means that we also have fellowship with each other that will inform how we treat each other with forgiveness. We are a community who has been forgiven. And so the forgiveness of Christ will also flow out from us to others. This is communion in action. This is fellowship when we truly love each other as Christ has loved us. This is communion in action when we forgive each other, when we don't only look out for our own interests, but also the interests of others. And this is true communion, not to lightly brush over our differences, but to offer costly forgiveness based on the love of Christ for us. And further, this communion is also seen in hospitality. This is communion when the sharing at the Lord's table flows out into the church car park in our conversations. When the fellowship flows on to sharing meals in each other's houses throughout the week. When the communion is lived out through caring for each other. This fellowship is at the heart of the church. And so brothers and sisters, let's again commit to serving each other. Let's follow the model of the early church and devote ourselves to fellowship. Devoting ourselves will mean we will want to come and spend time with our brothers and sisters. We will want to build relationships within the body of Christ. We will want to open our hearts and open our homes in love, motivated by the love of Christ for us. 
This is fellowship. This is at the heart of what it means to be the church, the body of Christ. Well, finally, this fellowship, it points us also ahead to the great marriage feast of the Lamb. Because we remember and proclaim the death of Christ, we share this meal together as brothers and sisters united by His Spirit, and we do that until He comes. Until He comes, and then we will enjoy perfect communion. Then all of our sin will be gone and completely removed. Everything which breaks down relationships now, our sin which prevents communion with God, our sin that hurts others and even breaks down relationships within the family of God, our sin which hurts even those closest to us, all of that will be gone. And then we will know that perfect communion with God and with each other. We will know that sweet fellowship The most chazelic times on earth are only a small foretaste of this communion. It will be the consummation of chazelichate. And so you see, brothers and sisters, how the Lord's Supper is a meal which shows our identity. It shows that we are a people who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ, a people who continue to remember and proclaim his death until he comes. A people who are united together by his spirit. We are no cannibals. This is far better. To have spiritual union with Christ, worked by his spirit. To eat and drink as symbols of that union. And to celebrate and live this union together. We are no cannibals. But let it be said of us that Jesus Christ is everything to us. That he is the foundation of our identity as individuals and as his church, as his body, as his bride. May it be said of us that we are the people of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may he return soon so that we can enjoy that perfect communion with him and and his people. Amen. Let's respond to God's word by singing hymn 27. We'll sing the first four verses about the perfect fellowship we'll enjoy at the throne of the Lamb. These are the words of Revelation 5. Let's sing hymn 27, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4.
Let's draw near to God in prayer. Heavenly God and Almighty Father, we praise you for calling us to belong to you, to become partakers of your divine nature, and for calling us into the fellowship of your Son. We thank you for accomplishing this union through the death and resurrection of your Son, and for giving us signs and seals of this union in the sacraments. We thank you for working this union in our hearts through your Holy Spirit. We love you, eternal God. We want to serve you. We want to live in fellowship with you. We thank you also for your wisdom in gathering us into a body of believers, that we can be united as your church, your gathered people. And we pray that you will work your spirit among us in increasing measure so that we live out that unity which we have as your saints. May we truly experience the communion of each other. And we pray that you'll give us a shared love for you and for your word, so that as our, ch- our church family is not united by common worldly interests, but through your word. And so we ask that you will bless the times we share in studying your word, that we would grow in this unity. Bless our fellowship as it flows into all areas of life throughout this week, that we would devote ourselves to this fellowship. Help us to devote ourselves to serving each other. And in this way, we pray that we would grow up into maturity in Christ and that our love for each other will also be a compelling witness to those around us. We pray that you'll bless the deacons as they work among us. We pray that you'll bless their work so that we truly live together in the unity of faith and so that no one lives uncomforted under any burdens of sickness or loneliness or poverty. And we pray that through their work, we as a congregation will also be stimulated to look out for each other's needs and concerns. We also pray for the elders as they oversee the congregation. Please give them wisdom and joy in their task. Help them to be models of Christ-like service among us. And may we all grow in our faith under their leadership and guidance. We pray that you'll give them an increasing love for your church as they also grow to love you. We pray for our minister, Reverend Poppy, and his family. And Father, we thank you for the faithful ministry of our brother. And we pray that you'll continue to bless his work, that you'll give him a a deep love for you and for your people. And we pray that you'll also care for him and his people and his family as they finish here in Southern River and prepare to serve you in Cardup Brook. Father, we pray that your kingdom would come around this world. We bring before you the conflict in Israel. Father, it grieves us to hear of wars, and we pray for those who are in combat zones, who've been affected by the recent bombings. We pray that they would turn to you as the God of hope. We also pray for those who are stirring up conflict, that you will convict them of sin, and that they will humble themselves before you in repentance. We pray for churches in the zones of conflict, that you will give them boldness to witness the truth of your word. And that through your people in those areas, the gospel of peace will triumph over war. We also pray for other conflicts around this world and we bring before you the ongoing situation in Ukraine. Father, we pray for this war to end. We pray that you'll bring nations to repentance and acknowledge your rule. O God, we long for true peace to be established in this world. We long for Christ's rule to be acknowledged everywhere as the Prince of Peace. And so we pray also for the final coming of your kingdom when you will be all in all, 
when there will be no more war or suffering or injustice. Come quickly, O Lord Jesus Christ. Return to bring an end to evil and suffering. Return to bring us to yourself in perfect and sweet fellowship. Father, we also pray for our own nation and we bring before you the upcoming referendum this week. And Father, we pray that there would be peace within our nation. You know the division that this has been causing. And we pray, Father, that even through this, we as your people can continue to witness the truth of your word. We pray that you would bless the school as they also opens again this week. And we pray that you would bless the teachers and the students, that you will bless their work, so that the children can continue to grow to know you and to love you. Father, we pray that you would be with all of us in this new week. We pray that you would sanctify us, transform us more and more through your spirit and word. Give us a hunger to know you and to know you more. Give us a hunger to seek your face and to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. And give us hearts that yearn for the new creation, for the full and sweet fellowship we will have with you and with each other. We pray all of this in the name of our head, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You now have an opportunity to give your thank offerings for the work of mission in PNG. And after that, we'll sing the remaining four stanzas of hymn 27.
receive the blessing of the Lord and go in peace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.